Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Toda Rabbah. Thank you very much. Oh, you are very... Toda Rabbah. Welcome. little Hebrew. Yeah, that's the Hebrew lesson for today. Yeah, that's all you're going to (laughs) get. And the name of the Torah portion. Okay, well, we'll we'll get there. We're we're not quite there yet. No, we're not there. We're not there yet. So, a lot of cool stuff going on. We just want to thank Avi Lipkin, our guest, over the past two Monday nights for coming and for speaking and answering questions. What a lot of great insights he has. Um, The videos will be on our YouTube channel, so you can go there and check those out. I would encourage you to also check out um, our messages and any other cool stuff that we put on the YouTube channel. You can find that stuff at the Bait Tehillah YouTube channel. So check that out. A um, couple of things for you guys. Uh, first and foremost, we are headed into the season of Teshuvah. Now, Teshuvah is the season of returning and repentance to God. And it's basically a time where we get our hearts ready to enter into the fall feast. We want to we wanna be um, you know, postured in the right position uh, toward God when we enter into the fall feast so that we can really bring our best offering into the fall feast and get the most out of the fall feast for ourselves and for our family. So um, uh, the season of Teshuvah begins on Elul 1, which is August 20th in the evening. And here at Beit Tehila, we actually do uh, a, a Daniel fast for the first 21 days. So from Elul 1 to Elul 21. Um, that's August 20th, starting in the evening and ending September 20th at sundown uh, would be the fast. Now, uh, the season of Teshuvah actually goes all the way to Yom Kippur, which is the 10th of Tishri. So that goes all the way. September 28th. Which is September 28th. In the eve. In. We will conclude Teshuvah. We will conclude Teshuvah. So um, with all that being said, I want you guys to know that it is very important to us that we provide you with whatever resources we can to help you get yourself ready and uh, postured in a way that is uh, toward God in you know repentance and returning. And so one of the things that we have here at our congregation is our Teshuvah Spiritual Journal. Now, the Teshuvah Spiritual Journal is essentially just a 40-day devotional where there's um, you know some PowerPoint slides in there. The teaching with, of Teshuvah is in there. Right. The verses, the scriptures, the reasons. Exactly right. And then um, there's some self-reflection and some introspection things in there, some questions for the days, and you can journal in there um, for each day and all that. And so if you would like a Teshuvah Spiritual Journal, we want to send you one free of charge. So if you're here at Beit Tehillah Congregation, you can pick one up when you come. If you are out of town and you are not near the Brandon, Florida area, we would like to ship you one wherever you are free of charge. So what you need to do is you need to send me an email at ryan at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. Send me an email with your contact information and your address and tell me, uh, that you uh, would like the Teshuvah Spiritual Journal, and I'll get you one shipped out. Tell us how many you want. Yeah, exactly right. You Tell might us. have a family of four or six. Yeah. You might want to leave one in a Starbucks. 
Exactly. We'll throw it in there for you. Yep. Yep. That's so, uh, with all that being said, um, you know, the season of Teshuvah is an awesome season to just deepen your relationship and your walk with the Lord. And so I encourage everybody to take it seriously, dive in head first or both feet, whatever, uh, saying it is where you are and, uh, and get into it. So, all right. So without further ado, we are jumping into the Torah portion. Re'e. Oh, 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 one last thing. Stay around till the end. We've got a very special treat for you. Uh, it is a song written by a member of our congregation, and you don't want to miss it. It's relevant to the Torah portion, and I think you'll love it. Outstanding. Very powerful. All right. So praise we are, the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, and pass the potatoes. Uh, so we're studying the Torah portion, Re'e, which is C, uh, which can be found in the book of Deuteronomy, starting in chapter 11 and verse 26, and ending in chapter 16 and verse 17. All right. Once again, we're in the, the second part of the book of Remembrance, Deuteronomy, the commandments for the present. So without further ado, let's check out a blessing and a curse. Uh, Ryan's going to read Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 32. All right, it says here, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. And it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Abel. Are, you, are they not on the other side, Jordan, by the way, where the sun goeth down in the land of the Canaanites, which dwell in the Champagne <laughs> over against Gilgal beside the plains of Moray? For ye shall pass over Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God gives you, uh, and you shall possess it and dwell therein. And ye shall observe to do all the statutes and judgments which I set before you this day. Now, I have personally stood on Mount Gerizim. Have you stood on Mount Gerizim? Okay, just be quiet, all right? That's enough. You have stood on Mount I know, I have. know, but let's just do the question. Okay, okay, go ahead. Here please. we go. We're going to lay the we're going to lay the foundation here. The the incredible prophecies too, right? So basically, what two things did God set before the people? A blessing and a curse. A blessing and a curse. So once again, the Mosaic covenant is a conditional covenant. It's if you choose life, death, blessing, or curse. Now, uh, in Deuteronomy 11.29, the blessing was put upon Mount Gerizim and the curse was put upon Mount Ebal. Now, the thing is, Mount Ebal is not cursed. Right. So the, it was pronounced, okay, listen, on Mount Gerizim, we're going to pronounce the blessing. But on Mount Ebal, that particular location... It's all about, we're also going to put upon Mount Evil and declare that there's a curse if you don't listen. Right. So there's consequences. Right. So blessing for obedience, curse for disobedience. So there are consequences. And so once again, uh, Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal, uh, as you distance those two particular mountains, uh, I believe Mount Ebal is even higher than Mount Gerizim. But below is a valley and it is the biblical city of Shechem. That's right. So on the shoulders of, right. which is kind of interesting. That's what Shechem means. That's where Joseph is actually buried. 
right? And his his tomb is still there. And, and I the do field that Jacob purchased. The field. It? I yep. think Jacob's well. Yep. Is that Jacob's well? I'm or, not sure about no. the well, but I know the field. I've looked the, at the it. The field. So anyway, it's, it's, it's the modern day city of Nablus today. From my understanding, I think the population is like 200,000 Arabs, but beside the point. So when you think about on the shoulders of, which is Shechem, you notice that you have the blessing on one shoulder and the cursing on the other. This is where you get the, the devil and the angel ah, on your shoulders. You yeah, know, the yeah. devil made me do it. So once again, Mount Gerizim is a very special place. And uh, of course, I was able to go there in 2015 uh, during Shavuot to bless my two boys with the blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh, of course, Yisimka Elohim, Kephraim Vichim Manasseh, may God make you a similar blessing as he did Ephraim and Manasseh. Got to put my hands on their shoulders on Mount Gerizim and bless them. And as I blessed them, I could look over their shoulders. Down below, I could see Joseph's tomb as I did that. 2016, got to take Micah and halfway down the mountain, we pulled off and I said the same blessing to my son, Micah. And, and I so, did it this year. So Ryan will share his his story about Mer- Mount Gerizim and his son. But well, we slept on Mount Gerizim uh, in the community, the Jewish community of Harbacha, which is where Hayavel Base Camp is, um, in the Jeremiah House. We uh, were there. No, don't look at me like that. All right, I'm not. I'm, I'm not bragging. No, it's, it, it says the student will pass the teacher. I'm just testifying. Okay. So I looked over and I blessed Christian as well with the same blessing from Genesis 48. Three thousand five hundred year old blessing. That's right. And it is a great blessing that you would become a symbol of blessing as Ephraim and Manasseh became a symbol of blessing. But, you know, as we're talking about the blessings and the cursings, I think it's interesting because um, many of the things in life that God gives you as a blessing can also be a curse. You ever notice that? So like my personality, for example, like I'm a people person, I'm a go-getter, right? My dad used to call me flash and dash, right? So that can be a big asset for me, but it can also be the very thing that I struggle with, right? Because it's just built in, you, you know? just need accountability. Exactly right. Exactly right. And here I am, week after week, right? Accountable. This, this is true, I have to say. To you, that's right. That's a good report. It is a good report. And I also, um, you know, when you look into the New Testament and you see the, the curse of the law, well, here we are. We're right here talking about the curse of the law. And, and we get in through Deuteronomy into the curses themselves. But here's what's cool. Yeshua took the curse of the law. Does that mean that the law goes away? No, it means that he took our punishment that we rightfully deserve. This is true. As prescribed here in the scriptures. The charges. Right? Against us, he took, yes. Right. And so he took on the curse for us so that we, as, you know, in, you know, as, what is it, faulty humans, you know, I don't even know what to say, mortals, mere mortals, right? That we're uh, now left with right standing with God because of what he did. And so then we can participate in the blessings of God and not the cursings of God because of the finished work of the cross. Amen? That's, that's powerful. So so, so the reason why it's so special, and we're going to move on here, but Hayovel is located on Mount Gerizim. Go check it out. Hayovel. What does Hayovel mean? Uh, it means the Jubilee. The Jubilee. So there's another Hebrew Very, lesson. very interesting. That's right. You threw in some more Hebrew there. So we're going to move on here because this is so important geographically speaking. You should get a Bible map and have it in front of you and look at it. But uh, and be aware of these places of Judea and Samaria. So uh, we're going to check out in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read. Uh, the title is Worship Only in the Special Place. So yeah, so this blessing and curse was pronounced on Mount Gerizim, Mount Evil. There's Shechem. These are geographical places. Okay, Joshua's altar is even 
located there. Right. But I will say that now we're going to look at worship only in the special place. This is what it says. These are the statutes and judgments which you shall observe to do in the land which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. See, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a restoration there, a destroying and a restoration. Amen. In Deuteronomy 12, 3, And you shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire, and you shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God, but unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation, shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come. And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your freewill offerings and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. Oh, and there ye shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand unto, ye and your households, wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Hallelujah. So, wow, we got so much stuff here. So did the Lord have a special place where he would place his name and the people could offer up their sacrifices? Yes, and you know what? This is a clue as to where it will be. What is the name of the mountain where the temple is? Mariah? Mariah. What does Mariah mean in Hebrew? Here's another Hebrew word for you. Wow. It means the place that God will choose. So Israel is not allowed to make sacrifices anywhere they wanted. And also, Israel was not allowed to eat the blood of animals. So uh, the Jews would even say that Jerusalem is actually uh, the center of the universe. Very interesting concept. Yeah, well. uh, I would like to submit to you in my own personal observations and study that I believe the Garden of Eden is Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Uh, also, for all you Christians that are listening, Christians with Torah, this is where Christianity started. Think about it. The whole concept of Christianity or little Christ, you know, think about it, that follows Yeshua, uh, started in Jerusalem. He suffered, died, and was buried there, rose again, ascended, and will, of course, come back in same fashion to rule and reign. So how important is this place? So important that even our president, President Donald Trump, moved the embassy of the United States of America to Yerushalayim. So Ryan, here's the discussion question as we move forward here. Why is the Temple Mount in Jerusalem so special? Well, first off, if, it, if there couldn't be any better reason, it's the place that God chose. That's good. Um, so I think that there's a, a lot to be said for that. But, um, you know, because God chose this place and he put his manifest presence in it, this is the place where God himself dwells among men. And I think that it cannot be overstated that this is the place where God will dwell among men. And it's, it's just one of those things we could say it over and over and over again. And then one day you'll say it for the 150th time and boom, you'll just get it. It'll just, it'll there's just, principles. It is. So, yeah. So think about the principle of the temple Mount and, and that, you know, there's, there's a book written by, I believe, Benjamin Hilton, correct? Uh, from High Yovel, Jesus loved the temple. Right. Uh, so once again, let's not just say, hey, well, we're the temple of God now. He's the chief cornerstone. We're lively stones being built upon one another. But just remember that the scriptures are very clear. Uh, even in Thessalonians, we are warned that this Antichrist will sit 
in the temple. Now, is this going to be a house of prayer, a house of worship, whatever it is? But I want to submit to you that God does care about a physical temple. He does, and, and here's the proof. That's I, where his name is. Isaiah chapter 2 says this, uh, starting in verse 2. It says, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Boy, we can spend a lot of time here, Ryan. Man, we've got it so much to I'm discuss. I'm pretty zealous about it, too. You are. So here's the thing I want to share with all of you listening. Please respect Judaism, love the Jewish people, and love the concept of the temple, because it's a win-win. You know, if you think about it, for the Jewish people, they get a temple, we get the Messiah back. Because like Avi Lipkin was saying last night as I was interviewing him, it's really all of us are anticipating the Messiah. It's all about the Messiah. Absolutely. So that's cool. So in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32, we're going to finish up chapter 12 here. It says, what things soever I command you, observe to do it, thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. So that's very important that we don't add to the Word of God or take away from the Word of God. Okay, so what an awesome portion of Scripture. You know, think about it. These are Moses' last words. He's writing this book within five weeks, yeah. and he's going to be taking up, you know, the Lord's going to take him. So the thing is, it's interesting to me that, that he's really hitting some very important subjects. So with yeah. that comes some great things. So if you think about it, this particular chapter that Ryan's going to read, uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, deals with false prophets. So what we're telling you is true, but now you've got to reconfigure this in your mind. Look at your paradigm. How, what's your perspective? Yeah. And we need to fix eschatology that's been taught to us, to run from Israel. Don't go near the, you know, it's the tribulation, the Antichrist. We need to stay out of Israel, stay away from the Jewish people, because they're going to be raptured, all this other stuff. But you got to remember that we're still here. So he's going to read about the false prophets that were warned about in Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 5. And boy, is this not relevant for today. That's right. It says, If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. So here's a word of warning for all of you. We need Bible revival. We've got to be reading our Bible because here's the thing. Were the people warn Ryan about false prophets and those who have dreams? Oh, absolutely. So here's the thing. If, if, if you need to understand Joel, and Peter quotes Joel, it says, In the last days your sons and daughters will prophesy. That means to speak the very oracles of God. There's a lot of things being spoken today that are not of God. He's not behind that movement. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so people think 
well, we're going to start a movement, but is God even behind that? Mm. And then you cause some chaos and confusion. But here's the interesting thing. It says that your young men will have visions. That means fresh revelation from God. That's why I'm having so many visions. Well, I'm concerned for myself because <laughs> I've been having a lot of dreams. <laughs> Ooh. So here's the thing, everyone. These are three generations in one place that correspond and are connected one to another. They're synonymous. They, they work together for the common good of God's word. So if someone comes along and has this dream and it goes against God's word, you're just drawing people to yourself. And that's what happens. Amen. So many people would come to me as a pastor saying, Pastor, I had this dream. And I would tell them, listen, you can share your dream with me. I don't, I don't have the interpretation, but we can pray about it. But God will give you the interpretation. Right. We have to be careful, Ryan, because if you go to a person and say, hey, listen, I had this dream. Maybe you can interpret it. That's not from God. Right. God has to interpret the dream. A lot of times you can dream in, in twos. Or you might be dreaming in your subconscious about a fight or a struggle. I've been having some of those dreams. Yeah. There's this fight and this struggle in my subconscious and my mind that when I go to sleep at night, there's this struggle, even with yeah. family members and things. I can see it. And it's real. It's very tangible, you know, for what God is asking us to do. Now, if somebody comes to you like Daniel and tells you your dream <laughs> and the interpretation, that is God. That's God. So the false prophet or dreamer could do signs and wonders in order to lead the people astray. Boy, do we see that today. You know, uh, it's very that. interesting. Sad. Uh, so we're going to continue on here because there's some safeguards here. Would God allow the false prophet or dreamer to be in the congregation to test his people? He would. Wow. You know, all these things that we're doing at Beit Tehillah are very prophetic and biblical. It's, it's by the spirit. It's by the word. And some people would say, well, you know, you shouldn't have Jewish people in your congregation. Yeah. Well, I know we've you said know? this. And I'm like, Ryan, I'm thinking, no, no, God is telling me. We need to have a relationship with Israel and the Jewish people. Yeah. There's reconciliation between Jews and Christians happening right now. Come on, somebody. You're probably listening to this getting excited because you want to be a part of something. You want to be a part of something. What, well, join Beit Tehillah because that's what we're doing. What is the best way to spot a counterfeit? To know the real thing. To study the real thing. That's why we need to be in the Word of God because when the counterfeit comes, which oh, yeah. it will. Absolutely. It will. Oh, the Messiah is here. Right. He's there. We I don't know. think so. We will know. And that's like these bankers, you know, they, they study the real money. Right. And then when the counterfeit comes in, you can see it right away. Uh, would, of course, you know, God's going to allow us to be tested, by, even by those in our congregation, to, to know if we love the Lord and serve Him. Uh, check out Deuteronomy 13, 5. Uh, and that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in, so shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. Deuteronomy 13, 5. So God warned his people not to be enticed by a close relative who could lead them astray. Let me tell all of you something. Your family didn't give you Jesus. Jesus gave you Jesus. Remember that. Your family did not give you Jesus. Jesus gave you Jesus. And you have to love Jesus. Yeshua. More than anybody and anything, you know, I find it interesting, and even in the Pilgrim's Progress, you know, uh, he, he told his wife and kids, I, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. Yeah. You know, and of course, in the end, they were saved and came around. Yeah, of course. But it's, it, it's really a great example of divine order, uh, even for the man who needs to follow Christ. Uh, but once again, you can see that these, uh, these things are, are actually put in in place. The punishment for the close relative who would try to lead God's people astray would be stoned. Oof. 
Now, the relative of the one trying to be led astray had to throw the first stone. So let me ask you guys a question. Is the judgment of a false prophet pretty stern? Absolutely. That, that's capital punishment right there. Yep. Uh, and of course, you know, God commanded his people to destroy the whole city if the inhabitants tried to get the people to serve other gods. And then all the spoil of the city was burned with fire. Okay, so once again, we can see in the earth today false prophets, and, and basically a false prophet is false. Uh, they'll say things, they don't come to pass, but thing that you really need to look out for is, are they drawing people to themselves? You know, we are trying to draw people to the prophecies and the scriptures of, the, of God's word, uh, to Yeshua, to, to God's plan, you know, and, and I was talking about that as well. The Apostle Paul speaks very highly of his own people. He loves them. He knows that they are blinded, but they are still the beloved of the Lord. Amen. God loves the Jewish people. So once again, we, we see where Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal have been declared there, the blessing and the curse. We see where God's name is going to be. And now we are, of course, warned of false prophets. And now we move into, of course, the Lord forbid his people to cut themselves. Right. You know, it's a sign of suicide. You know, when people have cutting marks and different things, you know, just recently uh, I, I was talking with somebody and there was this revival and this person uh, was suicidal and had cut marks and they came up for prayer. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this is even local and they were prayed for and the cut marks actually were healed by Yeshua. Uh, wow. This is eyewitness account. So, so I'm saying that, you know, when you're cutting yourself, you know, it's a suicidal spirit. You know, you are not to do that to cut yourselves. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and, and turn it over to Ryan because now we're, of course, uh, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 14. We are. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 14, and we're going to start uh, starting in verse 3 where we're talking about did God tell his people to eat only clean meat? And the answer is unequivocally. Wow, get rid of the false prophets, now eat only clean meats. And that's Leviticus 11, because yep. chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Right. 18 to 27 is the walk with God. So tell us about these clean meats. Tell us tell us some things that we can eat, and uh, what are the qualifications, Ryan? So the first qualification to determine whether an animal was clean was that it has a split hoof and that it chewed the cud. And so when somebody asks about pigs, right, or swine, the question always comes up, well, why? They have a split hoof. Well, the answer is that they do not chew the cud. And that is a specific example given in Leviticus 11 about swine, that swine does have a split hoof but doesn't chew the cud, so that we would have a clear understanding of what animals were clean to eat. So swine are unclean. You know, my father-in-law would have these little expressions, there's no pork on the end of my fork. That's a good one. My favorite one, there's no swine where I dine. Yeah, it's extra points if it rhymes, for sure. That's, that's true. So let me ask you this, though, Ryan. When, when, uh, when Yeshua would cast out these unclean spirits, uh, where did they go into? Oh, when he did Where they that, asked to go into? In that example where he went, um, was he cast them into a, uh, a, herd, a of herd, swine. Of, herd of swine? A herd so pig. what was a herd of swine doing in the land of Israel because of Romans? And remember, those, those, those well, pigs... They committed suicide. <laughs> You're so silly. What's funny is that you that you mention that is that they say that they went. The, the, it, there's no mention of the actual body of water they crossed. Remember, they hopped on a boat. They had the the That's big good. tempest. That's good. They, they were saying that it's the the Sea of Galilee, but then they go around the whole Sea of Galilee. They can't find an area where that would have happened. And tempests don't occur on the Sea of Galilee. It's a, kind of a landlocked, you know, sea, so to speak. 
So they actually believe that they found the location in southern Spain, of all places, that they took the Mediterranean Sea, that they experienced the, the, um, the tempest on the sea of, of, uh, of the Mediterranean Sea, and they found the cliff and everything and all that we'll matching. Look that that's a geographical it question. Is. It is definitely. Now listen, I'm not saying this is you interesting, know, but it's it's some commentary. It is some commentary. There was some commentary. Spanish there. pork. Spanish pork. Exactly right. So, so it's got to have what? Chew the cud and split hoof. If so it, you can have buffalo burgers. You can have buffalo burgers. Chicken. Yep. You yep. can well, have. Well, ch- chicken's part of the fowl. We're not there yet. Okay, that's true. So, but but once again, you know, these are the things that you can eat, you right? Know? And, and 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 clean is clean, and unclean is unclean, right? Right. And they say, you know, if you'll eat anything, you'll listen to anything. That's correct. It's a discipline. So Ryan's going to continue on in, in, in the issues of uh, what comes out of the water. That's right. So what comes out of the water has to have fins and scales. So immediately we know that disqualifies. Tell us some fish that has fins and scales. Uh, trout. Red snapper? Trout. Red trout. snapper. Snapper in general. Catfish, no. Catfish, no. Dolphins, no. Sharks, no. Interesting. No mm-hmm. mahi, mahi. Yeah. Well, mahi, yes. Oh, see? There yeah. you go. Flounder? Flounder, yes. Okay, you can have flounder. So on the border is tuna. Some people say yes, some people say no, but they do have fins and scales. Tuna. Oh, tuna. Tuna. So, hey, what's people, the best tuna? Some people say that. <laughs> I don't know. Is it bumblebee? Chicken of the sea. Chicken of the sea. <laughs> chicken of the sea. Isn't that funny? The chicken of the sea. It is kind so, of. So anyway, that's interesting, Ryan. So so we can't have shrimp or lobster. They're like the cockroaches of the of the ocean, right underneath. Yeah. You know, this guy was telling me a story about Vietnam and one of the rivers that he was on. That there were crabs all over the bodies that were dead along the the shore. Yeah. Crabs just eating the dead bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the scavengers of the of the sea. The cockroaches of the of the of the sea you know so just think about that you yeah know? so something to think about so wow those are some things that we can have so like oysters for example which is uh like a basically like a filter a water filter you can't eat that that's not good a lot of people get sick from that oh absolutely you can die from that absolutely i don't think that's worth it it's only you're only supposed to eat it in what months ending in r i don't know yeah <laughs> at least i've heard that i've even seen it on the wall at a at a place that served oysters so think about the subject matter that we've discussed so far. The blessing and curse, uh, Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal, the place where God's name is. We've talked about the false prophets. Boy, these are some really powerful bullet points. You know oh, yeah, I mean? absolutely. And, of course, what you can eat and what you can't eat. Just a little reminder there. Pretty important stuff. If you're a dying man and you're giving these words, we might want to consider. Yeah. So we'll let Ryan continue well, on in Deuteronomy 14. And he's covering so much ground in just the book of Deuteronomy because there's an entire generation that was either very young or born uh, after all of this stuff came to light, right? So now he's having to go back through and give them a synopsis of the whole law. That's why the Deuteronomy means second law. And that's why he does it. He goes back through it for that. The book of remembrance. The, 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 the generation that goes into the land, it's important that they understand these, these concepts. So, um, all right. So we're moving into what was to be tithed. So uh, again, a lot of different subjects covered in this Torah portion. And the answer to the question as to what was to be tithed by God's people found in uh, Deuteronomy 14, chapter Chapter 14, verse 22, is the increase of the seed that the field brings year by so it, year. It's, back then, it's kind of agricultural. Right. Right. Well, today, you know, and it's interesting here, so let's keep going. It says, if the distance was too long to bring the fruit of the land, the children of Israel could bring money instead. So this is kind of like wow. today, 
you know, the same concept would, would apply that because we don't actually grow wheat in our field, I can't bring 10% of my wheat. That's good. Right? But I can bring 10% of my income. That's right. You can't even right? bring liquids on the plane. That's correct. And it says the Levite was not to be forsaken within the gates. So remember that the Levites were the local ministers that were scattered That's right. All if you had a problem, you went to the Levites. That's correct. That's, That's right. Great. But every tribe had Levites uh, living amongst them in order to serve them and help them. And so for us today, this is kind of like our local congregations, our local church. That's right. Our clergy members are the ones that help us, right? And so uh, the same concept is here. The reason that this has been, um, you know, uh, over the time formed in this or manifested in this way, as far as the tithe being brought into the local church, is because of that concept. It's the same idea. Once again, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, there's good clergy, there's good pastors, good elders, good deacons, good bishops. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, the seventh year, and then I'm going to turn it over to Ryan. Uh, it says right here, at the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth aught unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother, because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner thou mayest exact it again, but that which is thine with thy brother, thine hand shall release. Save when there shall be no poor among you, for the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all these commandments, which I command thee this day. So before we get into this, Ryan, uh, this is probably one of the reasons why they went into the Babylonian captivity. They never had a year of release or never let the land rest. I mean, is that true? It is. 70 years. So it's 490 years of not letting the land rest, 70 years of captivity for Very, each of the seventh year. That's interesting, you know. Yeah. So they didn't do it. Uh, also is, is the eighth year, the Shemitah. The Shemitah is that seventh year, correct? Very good. So or Ryan's no, the gonna, seventh year is the Shemitah. So Ryan's sorry. going to take over this part of the uh, the outline here in Deuteronomy chapter 15. Well, here, here's what was interesting about what you said there. In these verses, when you're reading uh, those verses, it specifically mentions that except when there's no poor among you. So when we're talking about lending, we're talking about lending to people who can't make their bills and are struggling, that we release them of their debt at at the, the Shemitah or at the Jubilee Interesting. year, right? This is not referencing, hey, I'm starting a business and I'm loaning you money and right. we're going in on this together that I release that and You're not debt. supposed to charge interest. God's not into interest. So when Yeshua comes back, there'll no longer be credit cards with interest. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. So, um... So very interesting. So where were we? We are here. So what took place in the seventh year? Every seven years, it a was release. a release. A release. What's right. another name that we could use for that? Uh, debt forgiveness. Yeah. I don't know. Release. Yeah. <laughs> student loan forgiveness. <laughs> oh, fat chance on that. Huh? <laughs> Those student loans are like the mafia. Oh man. Or a timeshare. That's right. You can't. You can't, you can't even get, get rid out of it, it. when you oh. file bankruptcy. Mm. Ooh. Student loans. Yeah. Any government-backed loan, you can't get out of with a uh, with a bankruptcy. You still owe it after the bankruptcy. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So here in chapter uh, 15, verse 6, it says this. It says, For the, the Lord thy God blesseth thee as he promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. And thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. What an awesome promise. Now, remember, these promises come with hearing God's voice and keeping his covenant. 
These are the promises that we get to keep or that we get. I like that. Yep. And so verses uh, 7 through 8 talk about the children of Israel are to help their brethren if they were poor. Remember I mentioned that? That's right. We have benevolence at our church. That's right. That's right. And um, the Lord said that there would always be poor in the land. This is found in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11. And also Yeshua speaks of this in Matthew chapter 26 and verse Let me read Matthew 26, 11. Oh, let's hear it. Here we go. Here we go. Matthew chapter 26, verse 11. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. Okay. Um, very interesting, uh, this, this concept. Now, uh, just a little reminder, everyone, as we go into social unrest here in our culture, the problem is there's three classes of people in the Bible. You can see it through the offerings. If you were wealthy, you could offer this bull you know, right. or an ox or whatever, uh, uh, to that degree. But if you were, uh, of course, middle class, you would have lambs, goats, different things like that. And if you were poor, uh, birds or flower. So once again, you can see the three offerings or three classes of offerings represent three classes of people. So that's why communism doesn't work and socialism does not work. Right. You can't lump everybody together and divvy it up. Right. Because what does the Bible say? He's going to give to every man according to their works. There's even some good arguments as to the immorality of that system. So anyway, think about it, everybody. So yeah, the poor you will always have. So when they're in your midst, you know, you need to help them. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, here in uh, verse 12, it says this, it says, and this is chapter 15 of Deuteronomy. It says, And if thy brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman... Be sold unto thee, and serve thee six years. Then in the seventh year, uh, thou shalt let him go free from thee. So this is interesting. And so uh, the next verse uh, very clearly says a Hebrew could not, or could become a servant to another Hebrew forever, if they choose. And so there's some free will pieces here. The bond um, servant. Right, some interesting things. Uh, we've talked about this many times in the past, in uh, previous seasons of the podcast, uh, that when we get to these areas where, where we reference, you know, quote-unquote slavery, that the slavery in the Bible is not the slavery of, you know, America in the 17th, you know, or the 18th, 19th centuries. It just isn't that. Um, this is an economic system. People were free to go after a certain number of years. It was a way to pay off debt. It was also a way to earn an inheritance from somebody. Um, and so there was a, a benefit just like an employee-employer relationship. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good way to look at it. Right. And so um, in order for a Hebrew servant to signify that he would serve forever, he would have an awe thrust through his ear at the door. And so remember, this is a choice that was made by the servant themselves to stay within that household. So let's see, let's say, for example, somebody wants to stay an employee and not be, go out on their own. But, and they like the safety and the provision that comes with being, quote-unquote, undercover That's by true. their master, they That's could good. choose to stay. Especially in times like that. Right. In, so many people are so independent. Absolutely. But we have to be interdependent. That means where, you, you, you know, you could have independence, but you're dependent upon others. Right. You know, and, and being independent means you're responsible, mature. Yeah, but it was good that they got to make a cognitive choice. You see here that God does not take away people's free will. That's um, true. People make choices. And that's, um, and that's what happens. And so let's say, for example, somebody were to incur a bunch of debt. They end up um, becoming the servant of somebody in order to pay off that debt. They were at a maximum going to serve for six years. Um, and then they were able to move about the cabin, so to speak, or pay off that debt. 
Um, so interesting, interesting concept there. Uh, and I'm thankful that God provides a way out, right? And he provides a way to stay. You know, he gives them both options. So, uh, what was sanctified unto the Lord in verse 19? It was... Oh, I get to do the answer? You do. All the firstling males that come from the herd and the flock. That's right. The firstborn of beasts. Wow. The, the firstborn principle. Right. And, um, you know, the ones that open the womb. Uh, was a, It's an important concept that these were um, belong to the Lord. So we are now moving on to chapter 16. I think Pastor Nick's... Oh, I'm, I'm up. I'm up. We're wow. going to read the three festivals each year. Three national feasts, folks. All right. So I'm going to start in chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. It says here, Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and of the herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread, therewith even the bread of affliction, for thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coast, Seven days, neither shall there be, now neither shall there anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest the first day of at even remain all night until the morning. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, but at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, there thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. Okay, Ryan, go ahead and uh, hit the outline here, and then we get down towards the very bottom. Uh, I'll interject as far as that discussion there. Yeah. Why these three national feast days are relevant for today. Yeah, absolutely. So what were the three national feast days discussed in Deuteronomy 16 and verses 1, 10, and 13? They were Passover or Pesach. That's right. The Feast of Weeks or Shavuot or in uh, Greek, Pentecost. That's right. And the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. Yes. And so the children of Israel are commanded not to eat leavened bread for seven days. And that's for Pesach. That is correct. And there are seven weeks counted between the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Weeks. And there it is, Shavuot. That's right. And the children of Israel are to celebrate for seven days during the Feast of Tabernacles. Yeah, great joy and feasting and all the puffy bread you want. Yep. Now, what's interesting about this is, you know, I, God in verse 3 is saying, Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days thou shalt eat no leavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. And here's the reason why. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. Every single one of us was in sin, and we were saved by the blood of Yeshua. And it is that day that we were saved that we should remember for the rest of our lives. And at every Passover, we should reflect internally on what God has saved us from and what we're going towards. Amen? You want to keep going? Oh, absolutely. So uh, in verse 14, we jump in. It says, And thou shalt rejoice in thy feast. Thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, 
that are within thy gates. Man, I'll tell you what. That's the power of influence. What a blessing it is to be a person. So you're going to be so powerful that people are just going to want to join That's, you and man, come alongside. That's awesome. Like, come on, man, let's go. What are you guys doing at Beit Tehillah? Come on down. What it shows you here, though, is that the Passover is for the community to come together, right? It's something that yeah. brings the community together. That's right. And, and how important that really is. Um, and so in verse 16 here of chapter 16, it says, what, or the question is, what three times during the year were all the males to appear before the Lord in the place he would choose? And of course, it's those three national feast days, unleavened bread, which is Pesach or Passover, the feast of weeks, which is Shavuot or Pentecost, and the feast of tabernacles, which is Sukkot. So here's the discussion question, Pastor Nick. How do the three national feast days show the redemptive plan of God? Oh, thank you for this time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for this time. You know, one of my favorite verses is found in Proverbs, and I'm not going to quote the actual address, but in all you're getting, get understanding. Oh, yeah. So we know that there are eight feasts, counting Sabbath and the seven feasts, but why three national feast days? Because it shows the redemptive plan of God. I've shared this before, and I'm going to share it again for those of you that are listening. Pay attention. The first national feast day is Pesach, Passover, right? So can we say historically that this took place when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? They put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and they left Egypt to make their way where? To the wilderness, which of course in turn would bring them to the promised land 40 years later. Would you agree that this historically took place, Ryan? Absolutely. Very good. Would you agree that Yeshua is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, and he is the Lamb that was sacrificed on Passover by giving of his life. He suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again, and that all that believe in him should have eternal life. Would you agree that this happened and is happening? Absolutely. So basically, when you give your life to the Lord and you're born again, think about it. This is actually taking place today. So it's relevant, it's taken place and it's happening today. Now, let's move on to the second national feast day, Ryan, which is Shavuot. Would you agree that in Exodus 19, it says in the third month that our beautiful, loving, powerful God, God our Father, went into a marriage covenant with Israel called the Torah? I would agree with that. Survey says, yes, absolutely. So we're looking back 3,500 years ago that Shavuot took place, and God gave us his Torah on stone tablets. And even today, it's written on hearts and minds in Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8. After those days, I will do these things. I will write Torah on minds and hearts. So would you agree, Ryan, that even in a lawless culture, lawless society, a crooked government, and everything else is happening, that the Torah is relevant for today? Oh, absolutely. More than ever. Very good. Once again, and so with that, we also need to reflect upon the fact in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Shavuot, they were all in one accord, right? There's even Honda in the Bible, a Honda car. They were all in one accord, right? Yeah. And what happened on that day, Ryan? What was the promise? Well, the, the promise was the Holy Spirit. So because of their obedience to the holy day of Shavuot, they received the promise of the Holy Spirit. So every time you celebrate the feast, there's always a promise. So Ryan, the first national feast day is Passover coming out of Egypt, being born again today in Yeshua. That's happened. It's already happening. It's even happening today, thank God. And then, of course, the second one is giving of the Torah, promise of the Holy Spirit, 
And would you say that's relevant and happening today? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So listen up, everybody. So if we go back 2,000 years to the giving of the Holy Spirit, 3,500 years to the giving of the Torah, this is God's progressive revelation, his redemptive plan. So last but not least, everyone, this is the best. We've saved the best for last. So it is the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, which is called the Feast of Ingathering. And I would like to go to this portion of Scripture, since I'm already there. I'm going to look at Exodus chapter 23, verses 14 through 17, because we need another witness for these three national feast days. And this is where it can be found, because we've already discussed it in Deuteronomy 16. So here we go, everybody. Exodus chapter 23, in verse 14. And by the way, it's titled, Three Festivals Each Year. Three national feast days. Here we go. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded thee in the time appointed to the month Abib, for in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. Verse 16 of Exodus 23. And the feast of harvest, the firstfruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Three times in the year all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. Listen up, everybody. I've been a sheep, and I've been a shepherd. And I want to I share something with you. It is a known fact right now, the church is in a decline especially after this coronavirus. Oh, yeah. To tell me that the church is totally expanded and kicking butt and taking names, I don't know what survey you're looking at or what facts you're looking at, but we've never seen the church in worse shape than today. Mm. I'm sorry. It's great following and, away. and it's interesting that because of technology, I believe it's taken literally people out of the church. Remember how I used to go to church? We would go to church in the morning and the evening. You can't even get people to go to one service now for whatever reason. Oh, well, I can watch it live streaming. Oh, I'm the church. I don't need that community. Oh, those people are hypocrites. But why am I telling you this? Because I've seen it firsthand. Even at Beit Tehillah, there's less people now than we've ever had. Now, why is that? It's not necessarily the leadership or the vision. It's the people's hearts, the hearts of the people. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? The last feast day is about ingathering. If you're going to have the Feast of Ingathering, Tabernacles, it's today. We're leading up to something. You have to have oil in your lamp. Yeah, you have talents, but why aren't you using them in the community? Come on, somebody. So here we have an incredible example. Even Yeshua in Exodus, or not Exodus 23, but it's Matthew 23. He cries over Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem, And he says, how I long to gather you. Yep. But you would not. He likens a people to a city, a city to a people. He says, oh, Jerusalem. So remember this. Man, when you're praying for the city of Jerusalem, you're praying for yourself. Because we are lively stones being built up one upon another. And who's the chief cornerstone? But Yeshua. Listen, get plugged into a community. Lift up the leadership. Support. Help. Get involved. Amen. God is not scattering. He is gathering. He that scatters is not of God. And so that's why Beit Tehillah was created. Beit Tehillah belongs to the Lord. And we are so excited about the ingathering that we are building a strong community, raising up the next generation. And here comes the Jewish people, Judah, alongside. We come alongside them. They don't come alongside us. Now, Judah approaches Joseph. 
But I'm telling you, we, we got we to play ball on their terms. Judah is the older brother. Remember that. So I want to encourage you to come together, you know, work through your differences. Unity is a powerful, powerful thing in the last days. And so I'm excited to encourage all of you that the Father is gathering. He's not scattering. Get over your offenses. Get over your problems. Resolve them, right? Because we need to love each other. We need to come together and we need to unite. Amen. So once again, it's happening right now, everyone. I am seeing it. I'm witnessing it. We're hooking up with Hayovel. This organization can't brag enough on them and, and tell you how proud I am of them and how awesome they are and all that they do. And we want to come alongside and help them and be a part of them. We're, we're in covenant with them. We're, we're committed. Amen. So, so that's it, Ryan. That's all I have to say is, man, church is awesome. Church is fun. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to the days ahead. Peace out. <laughs> Drop the mic. Awesome, awesome. So, well, well, listen, what are the two things that you got out of the, the tour portion today? You know, I would like for you to close it out. I will. I just shared. I know. You just, just, I you just feel like I just gave birth, gave birth to an eight-pounder at least because that is exciting. What's keeping you away from others? Get over it. Yeah. Just press in. I tell you, we've had people that have left and come back, and they've never done better. Amen. And we, we gladly receive them back. You know, you could be here as long as you behave. But here's the thing. They leave disgruntled, but they've come back humbled. And now they really appreciate the community. I've seen this, Ryan, firsthand. Yeah. So th that's my take on it, you know, as far as that goes. But what two lessons can, can you share about this? There's so much. Uh, there is a lot in here. This tour portion, I got to say, um, could have been split into like three, um, you know, rather than just the one. But I will say this. The first and foremost thing that I get out of this is that Yeshua took the curse that we brought on ourselves because of our bad decisions. And he took it upon himself. Because he gave us a choice. That's right. And we blew it. And we blew it. Absolutely. I blew it. You blew it. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you blew it. Um, and you know how you blew it. We all have fallen short. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there's good news, and that's the gospel. Amen? The gospel that Jesus Christ has brought us nigh through his blood, and that we are now fellow citizens with the saints in the commonwealth of Ephesians Israel. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. That's right, baby. All right. And then uh, the number two thing that I came up with from this is that the feasts of the Lord, especially the Sabbath, but these three national feast days as well, will change your life. Let me just tell you, um, one of the things about the Hebrew roots is that, that most of the people within this movement are very cerebral. It's all in the brain. It's all academia. And it's, it's this is right and this is right. Good doctrine, bad doctrine. You know, and, and not that all of those things don't have their place, but you have to express your faith. You have to walk this walk out. You cannot just talk about it. You cannot just think about it. You cannot just read about it and watch YouTube videos about it. You have to walk out your faith. Live what's revealed. The feasts of God are there because the doing of them are going to teach us not just in our heads, but in our hearts and in our bones. We're going to get it inside of us through celebrating the feast. Amen? You know, I have two things, Ryan. Number one, <laughs> I, have, I have to give these two things. Number one, love Jerusalem. Oh, come on, yeah. It's 6,000 miles away, Amen. seven hours ahead of us, but I'm talking, love Jerusalem, Yeah. okay? Love Jerusalem. Yerushalayim, love Jerusalem. Number two, man, avoid false prophets. If it's not lining up with the word, throw it out. Yeah. You know, we've been taught a lot of things. We gotta be reprogrammed. So that's what I would say. Love Jerusalem, love God's word, of course, avoid those false prophets. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, listen, we've come to that place where, um, you know, in this tour portion, it has talked a lot about Jerusalem. Thank you for reminding me and bringing that back up. 
You know, in the very beginning, we started talking about worship only in the special place, the place that God would choose. And it's a very, very important idea that we look toward Jerusalem. And I've, I've read some verses, I think, over the past couple of weeks from, you know, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 37 through 40-something there. And then also even today, I read uh, part of the verses in uh, Isaiah chapter 2, talking about um, how the, the house of the Lord will be established in Jerusalem um, and that all nations shall flow unto it. And so, um, you know, if, if you've made it this far, praise God. Um, don't forget, I need your emails if you guys want that Teshuva uh, journal. But I want to bless you guys with a song that has blessed me and Pastor Nick very much. A member of our congregation by the name of Larry Miller uh, wrote this song, and he sings it. And this is uh, the song that I'm going to play for you guys now. Um, and so we'll, uh, we'll be finished after this, but bless you guys. Have a great week.
Jerusalem Next year in Jerusalem Next year in Jerusalem Next year Next year in Jerusalem draws near the song is sung angels give a cheer he declares we won his bride before him here a pathway was met the road made clear and our hearts are set Want to be there next year in Jerusalem? Next year in Jerusalem? Next year in Jerusalem? Next year in Jerusalem Next year in Jerusalem Next year Next year